This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Welcome to the second hour of the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. We've got lots to talk about in this second hour of the program as well. We're going to be talking about sisterhood and passion and, and uh, Brent Kavanaugh and Gian Gameshi and all sorts of subjects as well. And I'm going to answer a lot more of your emails too. But right now on the line is my niece, Katie. She's a junior at Boston College studying business. Boston College is the first institution of higher education to operate in the city of Boston. It is today among the nation's foremost universities, a leader in the liberal arts, scientific inquiry, and student formation. Hello, Katie. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Great it's to talk to you. to be on here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great to have you. Well, you know, it's a sisterhood, and you led me to our upcoming great guest. So, um, you know, aside from being a bit of a brainiac down there at Boston College, you also had a really <laughs> cool job this summer. Can you tell me a little bit I about did. that? Yeah, of course. I'm so happy you two were able to connect. But um, this summer, I was able to work on the operations team at Mass Challenge. Um, I was at the Mass Challenge Boston location, but overall, Mass Challenge is a global network of accelerators. So focusing on helping startups um, that are typically pretty early stage, really get the resources they need in order to, you know, head on to those later stages of business, um, you know, get funding, many other things like that. And they focus on five different areas of Industry is everything from clean tech to high tech, general retail goods, social impact, and healthcare. So it's really cool. And I got to work on some pretty fun projects. And how I actually met Anna from Sisterhood was through our programming. So part of our accelerator is that we focus on different curriculums that are based on each uh, a topic each different week. So we have everything from, you know, planning a business plan to pitching your startup to getting funding and things like that. So. It was Overall, great. a really great summer, and I really loved it. Yes, you did. You were so passionate about it, and I'm so happy that you connected me with Anna Rawls, who is the creator of the app Find Sisterhood. And Anna joins me on the line as well. Hello, Anna. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm so excited that Katie is here as well. Hi, Katie. <laughs> Hello. How are you? <laughs> it's the sisterhood. <laughs> we absolutely. do it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> women supporting women. We need so much more of that. We really don't have enough of that. And and part of it is this lack of information that uh, that is out there. W- women keeping secrets or being ashamed or embarrassed to talk about uh, issues that they may be having in their life, whether they are a teenager or a new mom. Mom, um, so you created Find Sisterhood, Anna. Tell me a little bit about what inspired you to create this app. Sure. Um, yeah. So when I when I became a mom, I was in the United States as a foreigner and half Austrian, half Mexican. So I had no friends, and I didn't have uh, any family around. It was really me and my husband, and um, I felt pretty lonely and isolated, and. You know, having my first child, I thought, well, this is not what I thought motherhood would be like. Because you see on social media all of those happy moms and they're glowing and they have those beautiful babies in their arms and everything is just perfect about motherhood. And there I was being alone and feeling isolated and not liking my body and breastfeeding was hard and my breast hurt and uh, I I didn't like my husband as much as I used to and I just I was like this is very different like what is happening here right now um, and then I started connecting with other moms I was like I have to get out out of the house I have to meet other moms I have to talk to other women 
because this is not like what's happening here. And so I started talking to them and turns out, well, everyone else felt the same way that I did. Everyone I talked to. And I said, why don't you say so? Like whenever I, I see your posts on social media, your life seems perfect and you're so happy. Like, why, why don't you like, what? I, and so I was really surprised to realize that they don't feel the way that they post about their life. Um, I'm surprised to hear that as well. So you've actually yeah. spoken to some of these women because I see these yeah. women on, on Facebook and, and, you know, uh, Instagram as well. And their lives seem so perfect, but they actually admitted to things aren't so great back home. Well, you know, it took a while. Um, I remember one of my closest friends, she became one of my best friends. It took like meeting her five or six times. And eventually she'll go and said, she went and said, Oh my God, I hate breastfeeding. And I'm like, what? You always say that. And she's like, I know, because that's what everyone expects me to say. People expect me to say, this is so amazing. And I'm bonding with my child. And this is the best time of my life. And all that matters is my baby is healthy. And she's like, you know what? I don't feel that way. And I love hanging out with you because you are so vulnerable and so honest about those things. And I said to her, like, because at that point she became a friend of mine, I said to her, you know what? It would have helped me a lot if you would have just been honest. Because I thought the entire time something was wrong with me. Do you know how empowering it would be if you were as honest? Absolutely. It would have helped me. Yeah, and you know, know, they're harming other women when they do that. When they, but I think that we feel that pressure, you know? Right. Um, I never did. (laughs) (laughs) Breastfeeding was a nightmare. The whole thing was a disaster. The house was a mess. Um, You know, I I just was never one of those people that, um, but I know a lot of people do that. And, you know, somebody said to me the other day, how are things with you? And I said, oh, they're really good. And and a friend said, would you actually tell her if they weren't? And my my friend said, yeah, Maureen would. She would tell you if it wasn't. And so (laughs) things are going really well (laughs) for the moment. And I'm like, I realize it's just this moment. It could change in a second. Um, You know, so... So you've decided to create a space for women to be honest and to share their stories anonymously. And and, and you've also said on the um, app that you, we, we can't have TMI. We can't have too much information. But can you have too much information on there? Or what is it that women <laughs> are sharing um, on there? <laughs> uh, no. I, I mean, as long as you respect the, the safe space as long as you don't bash other women and you don't use any names of course because it's an anonymous app you can share whatever you want on find sisterhood like women go into very um very detailed things of their life including sex like they will describe very detailed their sex life or their struggles in relationships or with motherhood like there there is no censorship at all like as long as you're being kind and nice because that's like the number one rule of fine sisterhood is that we're here to support each other and we're here to prove society wrong that always likes to paint this picture of women not being able to support each other. We are actually able to support each other. So as long as you're being nice and kind, um, you can post whatever you want on fine sisterhood. You, we, we are able to support one another, but there are a lot of instances where women pull other women down or gossip about them or talk about them behind their backs. So how does this work? Um, is this like, uh, is it anonymous? Uh, you know, do people post in anonymity? Um, and how is their information protected as well? 
Um, so we just launched a new app like a week ago. And this app uses one-way cryptography. So it's very... It, it's very it's so safe that not even my own team knows who posts what so even if someone were to be able to hack our database they would still not be able to connect the post to the identity of the women so everything you post on fine sisterhood is 100 percent anonymous there's no way for anyone to find out that it's you who is posting things and so that was very important because you know when i first started um building fine sisterhood i thought oh this is a great app we can vent about our husbands and our about our kids and just like um talk about how we missed the life we had before things got crazy but then we launched kind of in the middle of the whole me too movement and i do think that that also had a big effect on how women started using fine sisterhood and it became very clear that having an extremely safe app where no one would ever know who who is posting what, um, was very important. So that's why we had to rebuild the entire app. So we spent the last three months building an entirely new app um, to make sure that no one will ever know the identity of our users. That's fantastic. And are there solutions? Um, My other concern, if you will, or question or curiosity is um, if people are posting um, questions about health, for example, or relationships, um, or other concerns. Is there um, evidence-based information answered, or is this just a kind of a conversation amongst women? No, it's really a social network. We are a social network. So you post a question, and other real women will answer you. You know, sometimes a woman, a woman might say, hey, I'm actually an OBGYN, and I think with that question you should probably go and talk to your doctor about it. Right. Um, But generally speaking, like it's a social network for women. So we don't know anyone's identity. They're just women talking to each other and um, sharing problems and just supporting one another. So it's kind of the the virtual coffee clutch of yesteryear. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I love that you say that because that's what I always say. I say we don't really have a coffee clutch anymore as moms. Um, There is no safe space anymore we can be real because instead of having coffee clutch and mommy dates and book clubs, we have social media where we're all busy pretending all of the time that our lives are all just perfect. Um, so I love to call Fine Sisterhood the place where we can come together and be real. And be honest. And what's the, one of the most common um, questions that, that you see on there? Or what, what are women concerned about today? Sex. It's sex. all about sex. <laughs> Let's talk um, about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and my favorite subject. It's fantastic. You know, it's the, <laughs> I actually think, now you've hit a nerve with me. I actually think sex is the most important health subject that it just is related to absolutely everything. Your cardiovascular health, your mental health, your spiritual health, your intimacy, connection, relationships. It's a critical um, aspect of health. So I'm so happy to hear that. What are they asking? <laughs> I can help. Maybe I should post my problems on there. <laughs> you know, with the, with the sex stuff, I would say, you know, half of the posts are not even problems or questions. It's women saying, hey, ladies, I just had the best sex of my life and I just oh. had to tell someone. And of course, I mean, you can post that on Facebook. You know, your coworkers would look at you really awkward the next day um, or your mother-in-law or whoever. Um, 
So we have like a lot of women coming to find sisterhood just because they want to share what amazing sex they just had. Or as know, long as it's with their own husband, it's, I suppose it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's with the neighbor? I'm kidding. No, <laughs> nobody will know. You could actually you know, you post you. if if somebody were having an extramarital affair, they could actually post that, and you could guarantee nobody would find out. Oh, we have that actually. We so one of the things that like showed me that the concept of anonymity works and women don't have to be mean is when a woman posted once, that was actually at the very beginning, a woman posted and she was like, ladies, I'm, I'm married and I need to find someone to have sex with. Where do I find someone to have an affair with? And I read that post and I was like, oh my God, there you go. All right, now this whole thing is going to blow up and they're going to bash her. And I remember, like, I went to sleep. It was at night. I read that post. And the next morning, I woke up. And I'm like, where's that post? I really need to see what happened with that woman. And you'd be surprised. There was not a single judgmental comment. Um, one woman posted, and she said, you know, I'm just going to assume that you have your reasons. And you didn't ask me if it's right or wrong. So I'm just not going to judge you there. I'm just going to recommend you the condom. And another woman said, you know, I'd go to a hotel bar because you might see a lot of men that are traveling by themselves on business trips and they're also looking for a companion for that night. And, like, no one judged her. And and I thought that that was really powerful because the truth is we don't know what this woman is going through. She might be married to a man who is cheating on her, who is abusive. Um, she might not have had sex for years. You know, we don't know what's happening in her life. And I really loved seeing how everyone just, you know, assumed, gave her the benefit of the doubt that she's not trying to hurt someone. And she was just asking for advice. And that's what they gave her. They gave her advice. Well, that is fantastic. I could talk to you ladies all night long. I thought that some of those women might have offered their own husbands up anyway. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) How do people get the app, Anna? Uh, Well, it's called Find Sisterhood. It's free to download in the Play Store and in the App Store. So you can just download it and um, ask away. Fantastic. Katie, thank you so much for joining me on the program and introducing me to Anna. And Anna, thank you so much for your uh, fantastic work and bringing women together in this virtual space. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program. We're going to start off this segment with a little bit of a joke as well. Tim has one for us. Go ahead, Tim. Okay, so it's not my joke. It's my mom's joke. She's been telling me this joke (laughs) since I was a kid, mind you. So here's the joke. What did the elephant say to the naked man? That's cute, but how do you pick up peanuts? (laughs) And I was like six or seven when she first told me this joke. I didn't know what it meant. And now now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, mom, really? Oh, my gosh. Your mother sounds awesome. That's great. She is. Um, Well, thank you for that little uh, added bit of a laugh. I do have an email here to read. Uh, I'll read that in a bit um, because I want to get to some of the other issues that affect seniors. And uh, Tim's going to join us again quickly. Malnutrition is something in older adults that's common and often underdiagnosed in people over the age of 65. And it can lead to other health issues such as a weakened immune system and muscle weakness. And the causes of malnutrition can stem from other health problems like dementia. Uh, Patients may 
forget to eat, depression, alcoholism. They may just drink all day. And we've learned from past studies or recent studies that um, absolutely no amount of alcohol is good for you. So, and what I wanted to say earlier, I was talking to a neuroscientist from UBC, Dr. Matt Farrer, this week, and he was. We were talking about sleep, and sleep is critical as well. And so, for patients who aren't getting enough sleep, they may be tired during the day. Um, it's important that you sleep at night because your brain is bathed in cerebrospinal fluid each night and it is repaired each night. So that's critical as well for healthy aging. Um, Reduced social contact and limited income may also uh, contribute to malnutrition in older adults. So you may commit to make some small changes in your diet, increase fruits and vegetables and decrease consumption of saturated fat and salt. And that may help nutrition issues in elderly people. And there are also food services uh, that are available to older adults who cannot afford food, meals on wheels, or may have difficulty preparing foods. And if people offer to help you, take that help. There's also um, companies that go in and provide caregiving services that can help to um, you to eat as well. But sometimes, what I see a lot of times in my clinical practice is people that are overweight. And so um, Tim is going to talk briefly about what he does to keep to stay nice and trim. So basically, I was doing a lot of research on how I can be healthier because I believe in developing healthier habits. And I found a lot of uh, websites recommending simply changing what you eat or how much you eat rather than change when you eat. So for me, I do a thing or I practice a thing called intermittent fasting. And that basically I start eating at 10 a.m. and I stop eating at 6 p.m. So that's an eight-hour eating window and then a 16-hour fasting window. And that gives my body a chance to really digest what I have eaten, but also a chance for me to burn calories that I have stored rather than the ones I've recently consumed. And there's a whole other mess of benefits to it as well. And I've lost about 10 pounds from it. Sounds great. I've gained 10 pounds this summer, but I'm going to try that intermittent fasting. (laughs) You're very trim. Uh, And anyway, looking forward to talking to you shortly. We're going to break. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. First, I'm going to start off with an email. (laughs) It's like the timing is impeccable on this email. Uh, It's also hilarious, Uh, especially somebody such as myself who's purchased one of these recently and decided it wasn't feminine enough. I'm taking it back. (laughs) Dear Maureen, perhaps like most guys, I don't understand women. To be brutally honest, why is it easier to find escorts than to find a lady willing to go braless? By the way, uh, the email came from the bra hater. Um, (laughs) I'm sure this is a drunk bra hater, but anyway. So to be brutally honest, why is it easier to find escorts than to find a lady willing to go braless? Maybe skimpy tanks and tees aren't always appropriate but are body armor bras ever, ever appealing? My question is this. Is going braless in public considered slutty? And would some mature ladies ever do so? I would really like to hear from mature ladies. No mature ladies around here. Um, you know what? A woman doesn't even have to wear a bra, so it's not considered slutty. I don't actually even have the word slut in my dictionary, okay? Um, it's a derogatory term. And I'm glad I got that email um, question because, um, you know, it's these kinds of questions that, you know, people are wondering about, people bother to email about, uh, but it's 
absolutely a perfect question um, for what we're going to be talking about. So I'm going to be getting to that in just a second. I had another question I do want to address. Um, It is, uh, dear Maureen, what is the best lubricant for my 48-year-old wife? Well, you know, that question always intrigues me because it may not be a lubricant at all that your wife needs. In fact, she may benefit more so from a personal moisturizer. So a lubricant is fine. We we suggest water-based ones like Astroglide is good. Um, so that, that's great. But also a personal moisturizer like Femme or Repigyne um, may be good as well. But let's get back to the bra hater because I think I have the perfect guest to answer this. Melanie Shadamoyo is a personal coach and speaker who helps women discover their feminine elegance, a tender strength that harnesses grace and radiance, vulnerability and courage. Melody inspires women to pursue individual growth through her special training and personal experience and empowers her clients to build rich personal and professional relationships and to live their life to its maximum potential. Good evening, or I should say good morning to you, Melody. (laughs) Good morning, Maureen. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Melody is in Ireland. (laughs) Thanks so much. I just woke up, so my voice feels a bit funny. Oh, that's fine. (laughs) I'm on the air every Sunday morning at 6.30, and I am awake at like quarter to six, and I I can't tell you how many people say, I hear you on the morning show with Jill Bennett at 6.30, and I can tell you've just rolled out of bed. And I'm like, well, I actually haven't, but it takes me three or four hours to get, um, you know, to get over that bedroom voice. (laughs) Anyway, exactly. Yeah. Can you tell me what feminine elegance is? Well, to me, feminine elegance is when I am in my power, when I feel strong and confident and happy, and just you know relaxed. That's that's how I define my feminine elegance. So it's a way of being. Yes. And, and how do women discover their strengths and their influence or their feminine power? How can they discover this? Uh, so for me, <laughs> what happened was I got married to an amazing man. And after two years, I wanted to divorce him. And, and I couldn't figure out why for some time. And then I realized that I had lost myself. I used to be that person who could say no to anything I didn't agree with it, I could say. Then I just became what everyone had told me was a wife. I looked after him. I did everything. I knew where his socks were, and I did not have time for me. And I felt overwhelmed. But when I started looking after me, I went back to the gym. I started taking care of me. I started asking him to help me out with housework and stuff that I so that I could have time for me. That's when I started getting back to my, you know, to the reason why he married me, which I had not been aware of at that time, that I was confident, I knew what I wanted, I went for it, and I was relaxed and happy. I think the happiness part, I wasn't complaining to him about why he wasn't doing this or that all the time, because I was happy. And so you help women in your programs to shed culturally defined roles and habits. A lot of women fall into the habit into which, or the hole, shall I say, into which you fell. Um, You know, type E, doing everything for everybody and, and letting go of themselves, not taking care of themselves, not taking time for themselves. And so in your programs, 
you help women to improve their personal relationships and professional as well uh, through embracing their feminine elegance. How can feminine elegance help a woman in her professional career? Um, I think there has been a big misunderstanding but being a femi- being feminine is lesser or wrong. I used to say I was a tomboy. I used to think everything girly was beneath me. And <clears throat> but when I started thinking, actually, if I say that, I'm speaking against myself. There is so much variety to how to be a woman as compared to men, because men have like the very strict rules about what a man is. I also think that's wrong. But as a woman. If you are not into nail polish and, and dresses and whatever, and you love climbing trees and doing all you know, adventure stuff, that's what I wanted to do. I thought that was not right that because I, I did not feel like I was soft enough and I was gentle enough, so I was not woman enough. So I was more manly, and being more manly was better than being more feminine. And then I realized that actually that's not true at all. There's a variety of being feminine, and whatever feels good for you is feminine enough. And when I embraced that, when I embraced myself and my inner being, and understood that being feminine is not just physical, it's spiritual as well. It's like, for me, it's when I connect to everything, making sure I feel lush and I feel happy, but I also make everybody around me feel comfortable, allowing them to be who they are, to grow and do and be who they want to be. And so women uh, and vulnerability, uh, do you feel that is a piece of uh, femininity? This is this from a woman who uh, in the last 48 hours has had a manicure, a pedicure, bought a new handbag <laughs> and three new pairs of shoes. <laughs> um, I love bling. <laughs> And I'm returning the bra that I bought because it's actually not feminine enough. (laughs) I'm not going to wear this thing. (laughs) Anyway, um, so, yes, I believe in feminine power as well. I believe it's, uh, you know, fantastic to be a woman and to exude all that is uh, that is feminine. And and I appreciate the differences and and celebrate those differences that I have with men. I mean, I have to deal with men. (laughs) Not always easy being a feminine woman. at that time, uh, whatever time it is. And, you know, we tend to be, we want to live in peace. Somebody asked me recently, what's your definition of success? I said, peace of mind. And and she was gobsmacked. She was shocked about that. But um, you uh, have a philosophy and programs. You've had rigorous training. You've educated yourself in the law of attraction. So uh, many people are wondering, how can a woman, and you say you do this through your programs, uh, meet uh, a man. What, well, what does that take? Before what, you meet a man, mm-hmm. it, you, before you meet a man, you need to understand you want a man. I think one of the problems we have had in so many times, on one hand, you believe that men are dogs or they're pigs or they're stupid or they're whatever, and yet you want men. I think... And I'm going to go back to the time when I was a teenager. I'm in my 40s now. So when I was a teenager in school, I went to boarding school. So we spent a lot of time in girly world talking about boys. And most of the girls around me were crying about boys. And I vowed to myself, I am not going to shed tears for boys. They are not worth it. 
Lesson number so, one. I had a, I, yes. So I had a list of things or the qualities that I wanted in my man. And I used to talk about them openly and say, you know, if he doesn't cook, I don't want him. If he's going to cheat on me, I don't want him. I want somebody who's going to love me, who's going to care for me, who is kind, who is generous, who's adventurous because I love fun, and who is smarter than me because I can't, I don't want people who don't get me, just annoys me a lot. So I want somebody who's smarter than me, who's going to say, I say something and he says, oh yeah, but what about this? And we can talk about anything. Who's well read, who, who loves to travel and who loves adventure, who loves to find new things. And people used to say, you will never get married because such a man does not exist. And, you know, a few, two years down the line, I met the man I married and he is that and more. But I didn't have hang-ups. I didn't have stuff that was hanging around me that stopped me from really opening up and loving him to the core of my being. And also to understand that loving my husband taught me that being a woman is not just a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. When God created us, he made us the way we are so that we can help men also be more vulnerable. So if we hold back, if we close ourselves, we're actually not doing our work. That's why there's so much wars and stuff. If we were as connected as we can be, we could influence men and we can influence men to say, you know what, when you go and kill other people's children, I don't like that. And we'd say, okay, I want to do it back. And it would be that easy. There's no fighting, there's nothing. Because you are being who you are supposed to be. And being vulnerable as a woman is not being weak. It's just stating your truth. There are times when... I'll give an example. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So when we were negotiating our marriage contract, like we were talking about things we would do in our marriage, things we wouldn't do in our marriage. And then my husband said, well, I would expect you to stay home and look after the kids and go to Rusape. That's where I came from. I'm from Zimbabwe originally and do a bit of farming during the farming season. And I looked at him and I said, I don't think I'm the right person for you. And he kind of looked puzzled and said, because I'm working so hard in school right now so that I'll have a career. I do not see myself as a part-time farmer. That's not me. That's what you're looking for. I think you should go and look for someone else. And he... He looked at me in his way, the way he used to look at me, and then he stopped, and then he said, okay. When he came back to me, we didn't have to talk about it. We didn't have to have a fight about it. But when he came back to me, I think next week, next following week, we knew that issue was off the table. I was not going to be a part-time farmer. But I had been vulnerable enough to tell him that that was not me. I couldn't do that. Most people think if they don't say who they are or what they cannot do, then they are going to lose the guy. Right. And then everything goes. But you're better off losing the guy if it's not right for you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It can be a life of pain. Women need to be aware also of how they use their masculine energy, you say, so that they can succeed and feel fulfilled professionally. How do women uh, manifest masculine energy and why is that important? 
I think we've all been trained to use more of our masculine energy, especially now with school and focus and, and all this stuff, and even in business, as you say, because that's, that's how men have made the world. They've made it for themselves. And we just joined in in the middle. We didn't have the, the uh, capacity or the ability to start at the beginning like everybody else. So when we joined in, we just started doing things the masculine way. So you need to understand when you're doing things and they're exhausting you, that you're using your masculine energy a lot. And you need to understand what extent you use it and to what extent you tap into your feminine energy and use that. Get some results. And by the way, being feminine does not mean you're a dancer in distress. My husband told me so many times, I am not here to rescue you. If you want to be rescued, I'm not the right man for you. So he wanted me to be as strong as possible. He told me he wanted me to be, he doesn't want me to be, a, a, what is it called, to be mushy. Yeah, that's the word he used to use. <laughs> if you're a mushy melody, I can stand it. <laughs> now, um, so w- women who use... that, he wanted to be... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, women who use their masculine energy, I find this interesting. Um, On your website, it says it can make her appear as a cold ice maiden and cause unnecessary strife and career issues. We we hear that. I mean, we see that. We we see, you know, there are women who are very cold. And, um, you know, the ice princess is is another term we use here. Um, This can lead to relationship issues and also career issues. And so are you saying tapping into a good balance of feminine energy with masculine energy can help warm things up? Yes, because you have to understand when, women, when men look at women in whatever capacity, business or whatever, they are still expecting to see a woman. They don't mm-hmm. expect you to be like them because it's not like they appreciate being them. That's why they like women in the world, because we soften things for them, make things more beautiful and nicer. So if we say we're going to match them match for match, it's a disappointment to them because they kind of feel like, hang on a minute, why are you being like me? Absolutely. Yeah, that's Not that we are supposed to be serving them. That is a great point point to end on. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, Melody Chatamoyo from Ireland, thank you so much. From Melody Chatamoyo of the Heart Passion Institute. That's heartpassioninstitute.com. Thank you so much. That's great information. And ladies, extend your feminine energy. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to this final stroke of the Sunday Night Health Show. We've got about two minutes left, but that's all. That's okay. Oftentimes great things happen in two minutes, right? Um, First of all, (laughs) on about September 4th, I think it was the Washington Post posted an article that said that Brett Kavanaugh uh, was basically a shoo-in for the Supreme Court in the United States unless something catastrophic happened. And something catastrophic did happen. Christine Blasey Ford went public with an allegation that Brett Kavanaugh tried to rape her in high school. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how that's played out. It will have to be investigated. There will be lots of changes to Roe v. Wade, prisons, education. If somebody like uh, Brett Kavanaugh gets um, into the Supreme Court, 
court. Um, I, I, for one, do not want to see him there at all. So I'm glad this catastrophic thing have, has occurred. Um, also, speaking of two minutes, uh, there's <laughs> this is going to help you guys. There's something better than Viagra in, at improving your sex life, um, which I'm, I, you know, I happen to have to agree with this. But fortunately, a study was done with about 660 men, average age of 67, and the study focused on the benefits of a Mediterranean diet and discovered several advantages to olive oil. Olive oil helps to build your testosterone levels, um, and a Mediterranean diet is rich in oils, legumes, nuts, unrefined carbs, fruits, and vegetables. It's moderately high in fish and dairy and low in red meat and processed foods. Those who followed this diet, and especially with the olive oil, saw significant improvements in their sexual health. And you know, things like Viagra, Levitra, Cialis, they are actually short-term. They they don't cure something. The Mediterranean diet and the olive oil also um, is beneficial for heart and circulatory health. It may benefit blood vessels in your penis and may help you to maintain a healthy sexual function. So I'm actually pretty excited about this because in this study, the men saw the risk of impotence reduced by up to 40%. So think about olive oil and think about a Mediterranean diet. Um, Let's see, what was the other thing I wanted to talk about? Oh, Gian Gameshi is back rearing his little um, narcissistic head, his little article. He looks like he's wanting to um, come back in his little essay called... Um, it was called ha- Reflections from a Hashtag. Um, he actually took zero responsibility. Um, I had to take a pretty big dose of gravel in order to get through his piece de garbage. But, uh, and I'm typically an empath, but I couldn't en- uh, muster up any pity for him. He alluded to changed behavior, though, when uh, there was an instance on, in Paris on a train where he didn't lure a woman in. Anyway, lots, thing- lots of things happening. Follow me on Twitter at back the number to the bedroom. Go to my website, backtothebedroom.ca. Remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I'm Maureen McGrath. You've been listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Next up is Drex, my friend. So uh, keep the doll right there. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at CKNW.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.